out of paper, out of stock. There's friendly faces around the block. Break loose from the chains that are causing you pain. Call Michael and Stanley, Jim Dwight Green. Call Andy and Kelly for your business paper needs. Dunder Mifflin, the people, persons, paper people. Dunder Mifflin, the people, persons, paper people. Time out, time out, time out. Hey, hey, boys and girls. Boys and girls. It's time for the 15th episode of the second season of The Office and the 21st episode of Out of Paper, Boys and Girls. Yes, indeedy. 21st overall. As always, I'm Dan. And I'm Rob. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. All right. Just fresh off a four-day weekend. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Went How'd up that to, go? It was great. We went up to... Gig Harbor on the Puget Sound. Puget? Is that how it's pronounced? That's how I've heard it pronounced. What did you think it was? I always thought it was Puget. I'm pretty sure it's Puget Sound. Yeah, I have no reason to think I've been saying it right, so I believe you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think I'm actually getting that from my cousin's wife, whose family had like a vacation home on Savi's Island, or not Savi's Island, uh, Whidbey Island. Okay. Yeah, which is in the middle of the sound, and they pronounced it Puget, so. Cool. They're a pretty reliable source in this yeah. debate, so I'm sticking with it. I'm sticking with Puget. I think you're right to do that. I mean, we're both from Florida. What do we know? Yeah. I had a really hard time pronouncing a lot of stuff when I first moved out here. Like Cooch? Cooch and uh, Willamette. Hmm. My, I would I would call the Willamette River the Willamette. The Willamette. I think I've always called it the Wiltnamet. There's no T, though. Well, there is when I say it. (laughs) (laughs) I remember Matt used to call Tigard Tiggard. Tiggard. Yeah. I like that. And, uh, yeah, there's a bunch of other weird ones, like Pialop. That's up in Washington. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I I don't even know if I any illusions of how to say that. Pialop. I I heard someone say it over the weekend, but now I can't remember. Hmm. But yeah, we stayed at Carrie's dad's cabin. Then we camped close by one night, actually on the sound. And we had what sounded like a rabid otter running around our tent, sniffing around. And really? Yeah. Wow. Woke us up in the middle of the night and uh, just was making the most ungodly sounds and just running around... Uh, in these bushes and brush and stuff, looking huh. for food, I assume. It's too bad you're not a hunter. You could have gotten yourself quite a nice pelt, perhaps. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. Do you, want a, do you want a crazed animal pelt? Maybe it affects the quality. Or maybe that's meat. <laughs> I don't know. Right. Uh, and we saw a sea lion and some hawks and a bunch of hummingbirds. And it was a good time. Sweet. Saw a bunch of rich people across the sound lighting off these giant fireworks. So. Nice. I didn't see any official city displays this year, but... Neither did I, actually. Honestly, the amount of money that these people spent on fireworks, I didn't really need one, so... Oh, yeah. Great people in the country spend more money than people in the city, for sure. Well, I guess every city does its own official thing that they... Most people in a tight city aren't going to feel comfortable lighting off Mm -hmm. (laughs) giant fireworks. 
Do you remember a number of years ago? I I don't remember if it was San Diego or San Francisco, but I'm almost positive it was one of those two cities. They had a barge full of like a hundred million dollars worth of fireworks or something, or maybe ten million, and mm-hmm. the bar something caught on the barge and they just all went off at once and not in the air. <laughs> yes, I do remember seeing this. Actually, I think someone on Reddit posted it again this year. Oh, really? And yeah, it's that just like sense. yeah, millions of dollars of fireworks all just caught off at one time. Everyone there was so freaked out. I mean, yeah, you have a lot of wasted money and a yeah. lot of disappointed people. It's true. Yeah. America's birthday. We like to blow shit up. That's how we do it. That's how we do. Yeah. All right. We're going to blow up this, this episode? Let's blow this episode up. <laughs> Let's do it. All right. We got a little bit of news this week. It looks like the Detroit Tigers prospect, Matt Manning, has found the perfect way to stay calm before he pitches. He apparently watches The Office on his iPad. So it looks like he took that idea to the next level and wore a pair of custom Nike cleats. That were designed to honor the office. Nice. And yeah, it looks like they have the office logo, the people sitting at the desk. They've got, you know, some of the cast members. I see Mindy Kaling, Rain Wilson, Angela, Ed Helms. I assume that's probably John Krasinski next to him. It's hard to say. Dude, I kind of want those shoes. Yeah, I kind of want those shoes too. We we need to link to this in our in our show notes. Absolutely. And uh Yeah. Well, I wonder if there is a way to acquire these shoes. So we should do that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, what does it say that that they're uh, they are custom? I wonder if it was just like a if this was officially done by Nike hmm. and a graphic designer, or if he just has an artistic friend who put together these custom shoes for him. It could even be him. Could have been him. Whatever the case, it looks like a professional job. It's true. They look pretty nice. It's true. But yeah, so that's all I saw this week in terms of news. Yeah. And a bunch of stuff more about Netflix not having the office, but I don't know how much more ground there is really to tread on that subject. No. Um, I know Mindy Kaling was trending on Twitter over the 4th of July weekend because she posted some pictures of herself posing in her... A couple different bikinis. I guess it was bikini day the day after 4th of July or something. Wasn't it also, was that why she was trending or was it because she posted videos? I saw something of her during the earthquake. Oh. The big earthquake that struck California. No, no what I'm referring okay. to was her, it was a body positive post saying you don't need to be a size zero to wear a bikini. Ah, I see. Yeah. I missed that. Yeah. That was cool. all the rage over the weekend and on bikini day. All right. I didn't even know that was a thing. Her Twitter game is on point. Nice. That girl knows how to keep her followers. And a tweet. Yeah. Cool. She she tweets it up. Maybe when we figure out how to use Twitter, we can reach out to Mindy Kaling and (laughs) say, hey, you know, we'd love to interview you for our podcast. But more than that. Yeah. Teach us how to use Twitter like you do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's cool. Yeah. And yeah, that's all I've got. Unless you got anything more. No. All right. Should we start the show? Move on? Get this thing going? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Well, as we already said, this is the 15th episode of the second season, Boys and Girls. 
And uh, the 21st overall, it was written by B.J. Novak and directed by Denny Gordon once again. Another Denny Gordon joint. And it aired on February 2nd, 2006 and was viewed by 5.42 million. Yeah, I saw that. I yeah. Saw that. That's, oh, hurts my soul. It's rough. Hurts my soul. Well, it was a long time ago. So <laughs> it's true. I bet it's been viewed by a lot more people since then. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that is pretty low. A little bit. Yeah, and I don't know why, because I like, I mean, without jumping too far ahead, I like this episode. It's maybe not one of the best episodes no, of the series, but... I agree. There's nothing wrong with it. But you've also got to keep in mind that these people don't know what the episode's going to be like before it aired. That's true. So that's not keeping them from watching it. I, I always assume it's the episode prior that informs the, the numbers of the of the checks out. current episode. But, yeah. I mean, th- that's the thing, though, is... We've had the booze cruise, the injury, and the carpet, which are all pretty good. I feel like the carpet's definitely the low point in all those. That's though. true. I mean, so, you're right. I was as I was this saying, coming it, off the carpet. Yeah, yeah coming off the carpet. Mm, that's a good point. So yeah, mm-hmm. I can maybe kind of see it. Poopy rug, you know. <laughs> what do people sign up for here? Doesn't leave a good taste <laughs> in the mouth. Apparently, no, not at all. So yeah, anyway, without further ado, let's jump into the episode, and to start off, we have a clip of the cold open once again. Alright. Let's do it. So, I'm happy to be here. It's very nice to see all of you. You're all looking well. Today's a women in the workplace thing. Jan's coming in from corporate to talk to all the women about, um, I don't really know what, but Michael's not allowed in. She said that about five times. Women today, though we have the same options as men, we often face a very different set of obstacles in getting there. So, hey, what's going on, Michael? Yeah, I I thought we agreed. I I just, I I thought about it. I just have a few things I want to say. What are you doing? Just hear me out. What is more important than quality? Equality. Now. Studies show that today's woman, the Allie McBeal woman, as I call her, is at a crossroads. Michael. And no, just, I, you have come a long way, baby. But I just, just want to keep it within Michael, reason. They did this up in you Albany. You are not allowed in And they ended up turning the break session. room into a lactation room, okay. which is disgusting. Now so. you're really not allowed in well, this session. Well, I'm their boss, so I'm I feel boss. like... I'm your boss. Anybody want any coffee or anything? We're fine, Michael. We just need you to leave, please. Women in the workplace. Yeah. Translation, I have been banned from my own conference room so that Jan can talk in secret to all the girls. Oh, sorry. Women of the workplace. About what? I don't know. Clothes. Me. Ladies, I am so, so sorry. Can we start again? We were on such a roll. I I, I really apologize for that. Yes, Pam. Michael's still at the door. Michael! (laughs) (laughs) oh michael i feel like at some point michael was maybe called out for infantilizing women and calling them girls because he corrected himself right in his talking head Mm -hmm. (laughs) makes me wonder i also love as soon as jan says i'm your boss every everybody just you could hear a pin drop in the room. Oh, yeah. yeah. And Michael's got nothing more to say. No, of course not. Yeah. I like that energy shift. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You've what come you, a long way, baby. 
Do you know what that's from? <laughs> Let's keep it within reason. <laughs> well, not the within reason part, but do you know where the you've come out? I didn't realize until doing the outline for this episode. Uh, I had heard it before outside of the context of this. It's mm-hmm. apparently from an old Virginia Slims ad. No way. Yeah. Huh. Which, for any listeners who don't know, is a uh, brand of cigarettes that's marketed at women. Yes. And they had a, a different shape than your standard cigarette. They still make them, probably, right? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're very long and thin. Yeah. And uh, from my memory of my smoking days, I was not a big fan. Yeah. I feel like I I've, I probably had one, too, from back when I smoked, but I yeah I, I can't I, remember. I know that I have had one at least once or twice from being at UCF and running out of cigarettes and just waiting waiting in front of a building that I had class in in between classes until I saw someone walk out and light up a cigarette so I could ask them for one. (laughs) And one time it happened to be a woman that gave me or a girl, I guess we were in college. So it's not infantilizing if we're all children, basically. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It gave me a Virginia slim and it's funny. What age do you think it becomes inappropriate to call a woman, a girl or a man, a boy? I don't know. I don't either. I don't even want to. You don't want to go there? No. Okay. I don't want to speculate on that. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Give everyone, anyone cause to correct me. <laughs> Whatever anybody who I'm dealing with is comfortable with, that's the right answer to that question. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. I don't even know. How about 18 at the minimum? <laughs> let's let's stick with that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Woman, girl, whoever gave me a cigarette. Someone of the female persuasion. Yes. <laughs> And yeah, not great. Yeah, I don't remember specifically liking them or disliking them, but... Yeah. I mean, I feel like when you're a smoker, you know, as we were, you have your brand that you stick with. So. Oh, for sure. But when in when a pinch... Deviate, well, yeah, in a pinch, I mean, you need to satisfy the addiction. Anything. So, for yeah, sure. Right. But you might not enjoy it as much as you normally would. It's true. Yeah. Anyway, uh, post-cold open, we see... Dwight and Stanley kind of looking a little irritated into the open conference room, which I found an interesting choice for Jan. Maybe it was after she kicked Michael out, he left the door open. But uh, that's a good point. But yeah, it seems like it would be at the very least disruptive for everyone else there to have Mm -hmm. this meeting. Well, the door was shut before Michael came in, right? That's I I believe so. So I guess he left it open and nobody bothered to close it. Jan just didn't want to. Yeah. Just being lazy. But Dwight and Stanley seem a little annoyed. And I mean, considering what Dwight's about to say, maybe Stanley is the only one that was annoyed by the noise. <laughs> yeah. I feel like Dwight's got his own reasons. Right. Um, and yeah, we see uh, Jim look over his shoulder and makes eye contact with Pam. She kind of smiles at him and rolls her eyes and he smiles back and then turns around to go back to work. And uh, Dwight kind of casually turns to Jim and I took note that, uh, I had to pause it to double check, but Dwight's reading a book when he turns to Jim, and the book is Introduction to Management. Huh. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Written across the spine. Says to Jim, uh, it's a terrible idea. And Jim asks, what is? And he says, them and there all together, they stay in there too long. They're going to get on the same cycle. Wreak havoc on our plumbing. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> this is the first time Dwight's concerned about the plumbing in the building, although I guess the next time it's when he owns the he building. He owns the building, yeah. Doesn't own it yet. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, 
So from here, Michael emerges from his office and asks everybody to come gather around. You know, circle up, please. You know, all the guys in the office, everybody yeah. in the office, because the guys are all that's left. Right. He says, come on over, bring your chairs. And we see, you know, Stanley and Kevin kind of rolling over in their chairs. And Toby, come on over. You're a guy, too, sort of. <laughs> Let's do this. <laughs> And uh, we see Jan kind of watching this unfold from the meeting, just kind of side glancing out to what's happening. Right. And uh, yeah, Michael has all the guys in the office gather around and he says, all right, you know, let's let's just clap. Are you ready? Warm up. <laughs> yeah, clap. we're going to do a warm up. <laughs> yeah. Dwight shouts. Yeah. And they all start clapping fairly loudly. <laughs> yeah. Michael gets amped up and... Uh, yeah, Jan immediately comes out, you know, at this point. It's just too much to leave unchecked. Yeah. And says, what are you doing, Michael? And he says, oh, you know, we're just having a little guys in the workplace thing. She says, very disruptive. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Michael just kind of turns away from her and back to the meeting, trying to keep it going. And he speculates, uh, he starts asking questions. You know, why can't boys play with dolls? <laughs> <laughs> Which... Uh, I, 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 I kind of wondered that as a kid, too, at points. I feel like I saw girls playing with dollhouses. I was like, I could see that being fun. Yeah. I yeah. mean... You not so much? Maybe it's just well, me. I was going to say, growing up with a little sister, you know, we would, oh. we would combine our toys in the dollhouse, so... Oh, yeah. Sometimes I would do that with my sister, I would too. have, like, G.I. Joes trying to break into the joint hmm. stealthily while she was playing house. I think my sister had mostly Barbie <laughs> accessories, which I had a harder time. Yeah, I don't think I feeling ever. enthusiastic about. If she had like some cool Victorian style dollhouse, I think I would have been into yeah. playing with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember uh, would take Barbie dolls and strip them of their clothes, and <laughs> they would be entertainment for whatever I had. You know. Weird action You figures. give them to your G.I. Joes when Teenage. your G.I. Joes request them, Rob? <laughs> I never had a big... I perpetuating like, some pretty worrisome gender stereotypes here. No, I know. Youth. <laughs> I, had a, I had a couple G.I. Joes growing up, but I never watched the show, so I don't know who any of them are. Oh, really? Oh, I used yeah. to love that show so much. I remember bonding with the kids in kindergarten over mutual love of G.I. Joes. No, really? Some of the first friends I made in a school-type setting, yeah. Wow. Oh. I think it's just after moving to Maryland, I was sitting down next to this kid who showed me that using these blocks that you could play with in one of the stations in the kindergarten classroom that you rotated throughout the day to, uh-huh. that he, you could make uh, this G.I. Joe figure with a metal head and a black and red leather jacket by using certain bricks. Huh, nice. Yeah. It's very <laughs> exciting. <laughs> I feel like it also kind of taught me about abstraction in a sense, this kid. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah, well, I anyway, feel, I feel like part of my childhood is, I don't know, it's based on stripping. I've got a hole garbies. in my, I've got a hole, a hole in my childhood because I wasn't into Joe's. Yeah. Did you like Ninja Turtles? Oh man. Okay. Real crazy about Ninja Turtles. Cool. I even tried, even tried to teach my friend how to draw them because <laughs> he kept just drawing a head with the, the bandana over the eyes, like. Like they had, mm-hmm. and then he would just draw legs coming out from the bottom of the head, <laughs> and then arms coming off of the legs. So it's like a teenage mutant ninja spider. Yeah, emphasis <laughs> on the mutant. Yeah, yeah. 
but uh yeah so i actually had to like teach him how to draw them in a more humanoid form nice yeah <laughs> well i i feel like gi joes and Ninja turtles were almost two parts of the same coin so yeah i wasn't I really i didn't really feel like i had a hole in my childhood but right <laughs> at least not that the naked barbies couldn't fill that's exactly <laughs> exactly right all right well back to the episode <laughs> uh why does society force us to use urinals when sitting down is far more comfortable? <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> I also like that Michael pontificates this point specifically because he could not ever use a urinal if yeah. he doesn't care to. You've you got know, the option to yeah. sit down whenever you want. Yeah, that's never been taken off the table. No. If anything, I feel like that's advantage males because... We can have it both ways, yeah. Well, not, yeah, not only that, but if you're, stand if you're in a public space and you got to pee, you know, I, I feel for women that they have to share a toilet seat with all these other people. Or at the very least hover, which is not comfortable. No. Yeah. Right. So. I think most women employ the hover technique. Okay. What I, it's word on the street. Interesting. Yeah. I uh, did not know that. Yeah, I guess it depends on how fastidious they are by nature. I feel like I just saw behind the curtain a little bit. Wow. I mean, you know, I <laughs> I can't speak to it. I can't run a women in the workplace meeting. <laughs> so yeah. maybe the the women that have told me that, you know, are like a weird bunch. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> we do have some weird friends. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Um, well, anyway, Jan has had enough of Michael's uh, speculating that nobody is really chiming in with any way and asks him if uh, he could please do this somewhere else and he responds we have nowhere else jan <laughs> we have nowhere else nowhere else to go oh and uh he tries to continue but dwight cuts him off and says that they could do it at the warehouse and jan says that's an excellent idea please yes go to the warehouse <laughs> and uh michael says fine you know it's actually perfect and uh, he says, you know, there's another side to this place, gentlemen. I know we all love our cushy jobs, our fun, exciting office. But underneath all that, there's another world. A warehouse world. world teeming with sweat and dirt and life. Life. <laughs> the bowels of the office. These guys are down there. Real men doing real men's work. And they're going to learn how a warehouse works. Yes. It's like the engine room of the Titanic, you know. They're down there and they're... They're dirty and they're sweaty and they're singing their ethnic songs, but they're happy. <laughs> um, and we see everybody leaving the office looking pretty irritated. Stanley is just looks apoplectic. He's just shaking his head in disbelief that he's being forced to leave, go downstairs. I know. And uh, Toby is holding the door open for everybody as they pass. And then when the last person pilfers out past him, he motions the camera and makes a shushing motion with his face. And then, yeah. Shuts the door behind him. Yeah. Don't tell Michael. Yeah. Smart move from Toby. Indeed. This is the second time we've seen him kind of uh, duck out of a situation he doesn't want to be a part of. That's right. Well, the other one was a deleted, deleted scene. scene. I know. But that's still, that's yeah. correct. This is still on brand for Toby. Yeah. I don't know. I was going to say maybe during the marathon later, the fun run, but Toby's one of the few people that does not duck out during Oh, that. no. He's all about it. Yeah. Well, anyway... We get a talking head from here with Michael where he explains that this is going to work out great because managing the warehouse is a very important part of his job and he has not been down there in months. 
And I was thinking about that line. Do you think that maybe it's been since basketball? Yeah, that's an it's humiliated. That's an interesting observation. I <laughs> I like to think that yeah, that's probably why he hasn't been down there. <laughs> and maybe to go down there with a men's meeting, you know, this is a way to kind of reassert his his dominance and his manhood in the warehouse, <laughs> which he partially kind of does. Not sure. really. <laughs> If he ever had it in the first place. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't. I, I won't say that after all is said and done that that's what he accomplished. But no, <laughs> this isn't over, Mike. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> so yeah, from here we see the office crew uh, standing at the top of the stairs, and we hear hip hop playing, and the warehouse crew is just kind of doing their job. You know, nothing. Yeah, worker bees humming away. Yeah, super extraordinary. Just moving around different pieces of equipment. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, we see everybody kind of work their way down the staircase and Dwight turns to the camera and says, remember on lost when they met the others, <laughs> which, uh, I don't No, I never really watched lost either. Well, I watched enough to meet the others though. I was going to say, I know enough about lost that I can, I can understand the reference. Yeah. I think I, I don't, I, I watched the first episode of that show and the last 20 minutes <laughs> Of the last episode of that show. Wow. And I feel like I saw everything I essentially needed to. <laughs> to get a gist of what the show was about. Gotcha. Yeah. Indeed. I mean, obviously, I, I don't get the finer details, but... No. I get the gist. I think I saw the first season and about half of the second season, maybe. Mm. And I think I just met the others, and I saw that they were a somewhat hostile group, and that's about all I know. Moving on from that. Indeed. Back at the women's meeting, we see Jan is now requesting that Pam takes notes. And, uh... Yeah. Kind of a weird thing for Jan to do on the day. I always I always felt weird about that. Mm-hmm. But it does seem to be a continuing trend and an unfair one at that with her. Yeah. She just always has to take notes in different meetings. And what what is Jan going to glean off of any notes taken in the meeting, really. It's probably just one of those things for HR to have a record. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Makes sense, I guess. That one HR guy that works at corporate, probably the only person that you know, Jim might not like if he gets a job there. <laughs> <laughs> Very obnoxious. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say. But uh, I feel like there's other scenes later in the series where we see David Wallace is having a meeting with people. And mentions Pam taking notes. Like, Pam's always at least in the room. Just kind of taking the minutes. Right. Whenever anything's going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it doesn't seem great or very effective. But. Yeah. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Um. So, yeah. From here, we go back to the warehouse. And we see Michael is moving around the warehouse. And decides to introduce everybody to the camera. Says, let's get some shots. Pan around there. Just uh, pointing to different shelves and right. Daryl's office and uh, <laughs> points out Daryl's. Daryl is one of the warehouse staff and asks him what his biggest fear is. He says his biggest fear is that someone will distract them from getting all their shipments out on time. And <laughs> Michael cuts him off and says that Daryl is actually the foreman here and not Roy, which is cool. <laughs> so we get a shot of Roy as well as Daryl just both looking just a little confused and irritated with Michael at this point. That's, Do you think that was uh, because of uh, Daryl's race? 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, I guess Michael trying to tout how progressive he is. Right. With the fact that he's even bringing that up at all being more than a bit racist. Right. <laughs> okay. Isn't it great that we have a black guy in charge of the warehouse? Yeah. Like, yeah, it's horrible. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I always thought that. I just yeah. never, you know. I mean, it is good, but, you know, it's not the 1960s. Like, it's not something that needs <laughs> yeah. to be brought up specifically either. A black sheriff. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. I feel like that's very much in the vein of how he's bringing it up. Right. And, uh, yeah, it's just classic Michael. His heart's in the right place, but everything else is way off. Yep. Um, so, yeah, and he introduces Roy, riding the big rig, says that he's going to be marrying Pam sometime this summer, and she's the receptionist, kind of a Brangelina thing, <laughs> which Roy challenges. Why? <laughs> Brangelina is Brad Pitt and Angelina... Roy. <laughs> I don't understand. Roy and Pam. It's a ram. It's a ram thing. <laughs> Doesn't clear anything up. And, no. Uh, I, I'm with Roy. I don't really understand it either. Yeah, no. Um, and then we see Kevin and Jim off to the side while this is going on. And Jim, or rather Kevin, uh, quietly brings up to Jim, I bet Roy heard you about you liking Pam. I bet he'll try to beat you up. Thanks for the heads up, Kev. I've got your back if he does. <laughs> he, looks <Try> over, <laughs> yeah. he looks over at Roy, sizes him up. <laughs> Try to stay out of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he looks really nervous. Yeah. <laughs> um, and from here, I also, I didn't remember to point it out prior to this, but when uh, they first walk down into the warehouse, one of the only things we see in the immediate background behind Daryl as he's introducing him is that there's a, where, or a blackboard in the middle of the room that looks oh, like it has a yeah. schedule up of some kind. Right. And it says over it, do not erase. Yep. And then we cut to Michael having erased everything on the blackboard besides the words, do not erase yeah. at the very top. Yeah. And he, uh, he writes a math problem in case somebody is down there that shouldn't be. Goodwill hunting situation. And I jotted down his math problem. It's... Uh, it's a division problem. It's yeah. also written in the way that you would write a division problem for a school child, which I found hilarious. Right. So that you could show your work underneath it. Yep. And uh, his math problem to see if there's any hidden geniuses in the warehouse is what is 13,579 divided by 8,724. And that's it. <laughs> I'm sure he doesn't even know the answer. No. I mean, who would know the I don't know the answer off the top of my head, but. No. I think just about anybody who's familiar with how basic division works. It's true. Could do that without a calculator easy enough. Although, you know, what's funny thinking about it. I can't even really remember exactly how to do long form division written out. I bet it'd come back to you pretty quickly. It, I mean, it, of course it would, but I couldn't just sit down at a problem right now and start doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you'd basically just the earliest way to start using this. I mean, <laughs> we don't need to use podcast time. Let's to do teach it. Me Let's dive into this, Rob. Walk through doing. It's going to be math class, with Rob. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's pretty straightforward, though. No, yeah, of yeah. course. I mean, I was doing it in third grade, so yeah. But it's been so long since I've actually sat down and worked out a division problem on paper that. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're, yeah, okay. You know, I feel that way when I sign, when I write checks or sign anything. Mm. Besides my signature, I feel like my handwriting has completely gone away. I, I feel like yeah. I write like a little kid now because I write things so infrequently. Right. 
I type all the time. Yeah. But yeah, I feel like I barely can write legibly anymore. We really should have learned typing in grade school as opposed to printing and cursive. Yeah. I even learned calligraphy at one point. Like when even even back then, when was I ever going to use calligraphy? It's a good question. <sighs> school. <laughs> Who needs it? Who needs it? Well, yeah, I'm with you. Waste of time. <laughs> so Michael gathers everybody around uh, and says, All right, troops, this is an important day, big day. And you look around and you see two groups here, white collar, blue collar, but I don't see it that way. And you know why not? Because I am collar blind. <laughs> <laughs> we see Jim, a little close up of him giving a very similar groan to when he was at the Hooters, just not audible. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> everybody just kind of looking perplexed. Didn't he uh, on Diversity Day? Oh no, it was the uh, collared greens. He called right. them collared greens. <laughs> so you gonna call them collared people? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good. And then it's Stanley that he says that too. I think as well. Oh he yeah, calls him out about collared greens. Yeah, yeah. Um, from here we have a clip of, uh, the women back at the women's meeting, women of the workplace. Indeed. (laughs) Why don't we go around the table and all say something that we know we're good at? I will start. I am good at public speaking. Hi, I'm Meredith and I'm good at supplier relations. Great. Phyllis? Um, I'm good at computer stuff. Emails, uh, spreadsheets, all that. Really? I don't know. I thought that no. was my No, okay, reaction. stop. No, I've seen some Go of spreadsheets. I almost always... Really? I thought mm-hmm. they were pretty... I don't know how I fit in with these women. Here. Or with Jan. Um, I mean, we get along great. Fine. Um, I guess the person I have the most in common with is... Jim... Alpert. Hey, uh, I, uh, you know, heard there's a rumor going around about, you know, you used to have a crush on Pam. And, uh, oh, no, no, no. No, no, oh. no, it's, it's cool, because I know you're a good guy, and I know that that crush ended a long time ago, so, you know, we're cool, right? Yeah. Nope, yeah, definitely. You know, I'm, it's great with me, because way <laughs> glad she has a friend at work she can get through the day with. Oh. She's not all, bah, 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 you know, when she gets home. Yeah, I like talking to her, too. <laughs> so, uh, we're cool. Right? Yes. Yeah. All right. Good. Yep. All right. Cool, man. Sweet. <laughs> so, yeah, at the end of that clip, uh doesn't really get through in the audio alone, but after Jim and Roy conclude their conversation, we see a very nervous-looking Kevin standing off to the side and... Or yeah, a, you know, hiding, hiding behind inventory. Yeah, like. it's like an inventory cage that he's halfway inside of. Yeah. He looks like he's just pouring sweat, and he's dabbing his face and sighing loudly and looking at Jim. <laughs> just very, very relieved that did not go sideways. That's true. <laughs> oh, Kev. <laughs> it's a good friend. I always wondered why Angela felt that was a good thing to call Phyllis out on. Like, why is that such a horrible thing to be like yeah i'm good at you know putting together spreadsheets and emails with for with clients i I mean that's there's something to that you know customer service doesn't isn't just like you know something that everybody can just sit down and do 
Well, I think Angela just disagrees with her. And Angela also condescends and demeans Phyllis every time Phyllis yeah. opens her mouth. I was just, you yeah. know. I mean, that's her style. This was supposed to be an exercise where these people, you know, kind of pump themselves up and talk about their strengths. And then there's Angela <laughs> that just comes in and tears Phyllis down immediately. I mean, isn't that kind of the yeah. way Angela plays most it of the just time? just drives me crazy. <laughs> just like Dwight. <laughs> Angela from accounting. Drives him crazy. <laughs> what does Michael say? Yeah, she's nuts. No, she's wonderful. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's just Angela's style. And Angela also seems to be very dismissive of this entire meeting in general. This is true. And uh, But yeah, I feel like she bullies Phyllis quite frequently because Phyllis has never stood up to her before. Yeah. And I feel like once Phyllis later in the series does start asserting herself around Angela... We don't see the bullying stop entirely, but I feel like it is a small fraction of what it once was eventually. Yeah. And, you know, they're never close friends, but they don't really step on each other's toes like they used to. It's true. Yeah. So, just Angela being Angela. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, anyway, after, uh, yeah, those asides... Um, we see Daryl propose to Michael that the warehouse workers should go upstairs and learn how an office operates. And Michael doesn't think it's a great idea. He says his job sucks and they wouldn't like it up there. And then tells his employees to start unloading a truck. At which point he notices a uh, blow-up doll hanging on one of the shelves. Yeah. And he gets pretty excited. He goes up to play with it and... You know, starts honking its its butt as he picks it up and is like, oh, what's this over here? Like, woo-woo. And then turns it around and sees it as a Photoshopped printout, <laughs> or just a printout of Michael's face cut yeah, out yeah. taped to it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he doesn't really know how to react. <laughs> no. He just kind of goes, oh, oh yeah. that's, that's <laughs> a good one. That's funny. <laughs> and... Uh, from here, we cut back to the women's meeting, and uh, we see Meredith telling Jan that her goal is that in five years, she wants to be five years sober. And Jan's like, oh, good. Yeah, that's great. It's an excellent goal. Yeah. <laughs> then she changes it. Four and a half. Let's <laughs> <laughs> keep things within reason, as Michael said earlier. Indeed. <laughs> And uh, Kelly pipes up and says that, uh, you know, she's going to tell Jan one thing and everybody in the workspace, in the meeting, I guess. Mm -hmm. She's not going to be one of those women schlepping her kids around in a minivan. And Jan gets very excited. Yeah. It's great. Uh-huh. And Kelly specifies she wants an SUV. <laughs> three rows of seats. <laughs> and everybody in the room kind of generally agrees with her. You, know, yeah. you hear a lot of, oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we get a talking head with Jam outside the conference room. Jan. I feel like I said Jam for some reason. You did. Yep. Yeah. Glad you caught it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Jan explains that one of the reasons for those meetings is to observe the office staff and see if there are any standouts, women that can make a valuable addition to their corporate life. And then she gives the camera an expression that she has not found that so mm, far today. No. Not even close. No. In fact, she looks pained to even still be there. <laughs> That's true. It's understandable so far. Yeah. Um, here we cut back down to the warehouse again, and uh, we see Dwight, Jim, Ryan, and Stanley are unloading trucks. I just want to say that 
they have there's all of these boxes of paper mm-hmm. on a pallet, and it's all shrink wrapped, and they decide to cut open the shrink and just start unloading every box individually. Yeah. Whereas <laughs> a pallet jack or a forklift could have taken care of the whole thing in one fell swoop. <laughs> just wanted to point that out. That's true. Because every time I watch this episode, whenever I see, I think it's Ryan or maybe Jim cutting the shrink wrap, I'm just like, what? Why? I think it's actually, it's Dwight in the very beginning. The oh, first okay. thing we see in the scene is Dwight whip a knife out of his pocket. Oh, there you and, go. Yeah, it just slices open the shrink wrap. Yeah. That always drives me crazy. That is a good point though yeah yeah it makes no sense no well none of them were probably qualified to use a forklift no you're right yeah and how they use a forklift why not allowed to use a baler yeah at which point why are they unloading the truck (laughs) because michael told them to yeah (laughs) he's their leader so if he issues a command they have to follow it blindly Blindly. (laughs) 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 well yeah dwight says that michael wants them to bond so they need topics of conversation Ponies. No. How about rainbows? No. Flowers? <laughs> Makeup? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's Jim and Ryan, respectively, yeah. their suggestions. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, from here we see Michael is now, to bring up your point, is on a forklift. Maybe he had the same thought. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Daryl is kind of walking alongside it, begging him to get off, and... Chasing the forklift, and Michael says, uh, you know, that Daryl's going to hurt himself and stand clear, and (laughs) then we see Michael drive into frame, and we see that he has the forklift extended up into the air, and it's holding a single box of paper that one person could easily carry, probably in one arm, under their arm if they had to. Yeah, yeah. it's not that heavy. No. And... uh, yeah, Daryl keeps on following. Says, Mike, get off the lift, please. Come on now. And Michael keeps insisting it's fine. And uh, when he turns the forklift to try to deposit the box on the top of one of the shelves, of all places, mind you. Right. It immediately knocks the shelf over and pushes it into another shelf next to it. And this domino effect. <laughs> and it just makes a gigantic mess. And just pandemonium. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff falling on the ground. And yeah. on these shelves. And, uh, yeah, I love Michael as the shelves are going down. He shouts, wow, 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 (laughs) as everything's just smashing to the ground. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, looks at Daryl, says, we'll get somebody to clean that up. (laughs) Daryl shouts, we're the ones that got to clean that up. (laughs) Damn it, Michael. (laughs) That's Lonnie in the background. Yeah. That's my favorite. Damn it, Michael! Yeah, the way he delivers <laughs> it is so good. He throws like some empty boxes on the ground at him. He does, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I I was thinking about introducing Lonnie in this episode, but I feel like there's an episode coming up where he has a lot more dialogue than That's he did right. in this one. That's right. So I was going to wait until then. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, I love Lonnie's delivery of that line as well. Lonnie, a.k.a. the sea monster. That's right. <laughs> um, so from here, we... See that now everyone's gathered around in a circle in the warehouse, similar to the circle Michael set up above uh, in the office. <laughs> Michael has taken off his tie, and he has his shirt collar open, completely wide open. He only has two buttons buttoned on his shirt. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. I like that you... <laughs> yeah. 
took notice to point it out. Yeah. I noticed it was pretty low. He's, oh, yeah. he's showing off a lot of chest there. Uh, yeah, yes. <laughs> and uh, we have a clip. So, guys, gripe session. Here we are. Now, we definitely live in different worlds, but we have a lot in common. We even like the same girls, some of us. Then that's going to happen. You know, we're guys, so. Hey, do you want me to go? No, why would I? You can. I'll go. Stay or. And a big walk in closet. Oh, that's part of my dream, too. Mm -hmm. Oh, me too. Great. Great. And Pam, what about you? What is your dream? Well, I always dreamed of a house with a terrace upstairs, plant flowers on it, stuff like that, since I was a girl. Um, more seriously, though, a husband that I love, Roy, and I love to draw. And I, I did a little in college, and I'd still love to do something where I could work with art or graphic design in some way. She's real good. You know, Thanks. the company is offering a, a design training program in New York. Well, I have a job right now, so I can't really take time off. Well, it's, it's only on weekends and then a few weeks in New York, but I'm sure that I could ask corporate to help you out. Well, it's just that the weekends aren't good because um, there are always a million reasons not to do something. Let's start with the warehouse. What bothers you as guys? <clears throat> You know? My priority is safety. Okay. So it really bothers me when somebody comes in here speeding around on a lift, playing with it like a toy. It kind of gets under my skin, okay? okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shh, shh. So... Uh, 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 don't, don't shush no, me. I... That was just... That bothers me, too. I was breathing. Pam shushes me, drives me crazy. I hate shushing. You know, that's the thing. What... Okay. What is our beef as human men? You know, that's a good question, Hasselhoff. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What bugs us? All right. Good. Guys ragging on each other. That's what guys do, and we love it. <laughs> you know, Jan has a line in there that is really responsible for us doing this podcast. You, we, were, we were discussing for years about doing this, and I remember one day you brought it up to me, and I started listing off reasons as to why, you know, I couldn't do this. And you looked at me and you said, Rob, there's a million reasons not to do something. Wow. And I was like, you know what, Dan, you're right. And now here we are doing this podcast. All thanks to Jan, really. That's awesome. I don't remember that at all. <laughs> <laughs> One of my more inspiring moments, I suppose. It brought a tear to my eye. I got choked up before I really? finally agreed. And now here we are. Wow. Yeah. I did not realize I had that much of an emotional impact you on you. You did. Oh. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I like that uh, I never really thought about it before doing doing this episode for our show, but when Pam's talking about what her dreams are, she tries to, I guess, straddle the divide in a way. In what sense? Well, she was appealing to the women she worked with when she was talking about her dream house and the terrace. Right. And then appealing to Jan when she was talking more about her professional goals. Because it seemed like the other women, when they were talking about their dreams and whatnot, none of them ever brought up their professional aspirations. It was all just... Right. You know, I want an SUV for my kids, not a minivan. And 
walk-in closets. Yeah, I don't oh. think any of the other women there really have. Well, no. I mean, and, I mean, besides Pam and Kelly, arguably, they're all doing fine. The business bitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, Angela's the head of accounting, so she's yeah pretty good in her career path. Phyllis is a salesperson. So, yeah, I guess... I mean, you can still move up from some of those positions that you listed off, but... That's true. Yeah, I guess Pam as a receptionist is, you know, maybe the lowest on the totem pole. And she does seem to have bigger aspirations than the rest of them do. And well, yeah. More creative aspirations, at the very least. Yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, and I, I think that, you know, that's... Pam does want both those things, in addition to appealing to both parties. You know, that's just... Uh, oh, you're right. That's what she wants out of life. Yeah. But yeah, and I felt like it was... Uh, Important to clip that mostly because it's the first time we hear about Pam and her interest in art, which turns out to be one of her major characteristics throughout the entire series that we don't really ever know of until this episode. Yeah, this is a big plot point for Pam, for Mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. Things are about to start looking up for our little Pammy. (laughs) Don't call her Pammy. (laughs) Um, But yeah. That was a good scene. Good good moment for her. Um, so yeah, from here we get a talking head of... Or no, getting ahead of myself. From here Jan says, Alright, it's time to talk about clothing. And we get a talking head with Phyllis where she is gushing, very excited, whispering <laughs> that she's excited for today and she loves girl talk. <laughs> and then we... Uh, do you know who else in the office, by the way? Before we move on, loves girl talk? Off the top of your head, there's one other character that specifically mentions throughout the series that they love girl talk. Do you know who? I want to say Michael, but... You gotta brush up a little bit before we start going doing quizzes wrong. Well, you always put me on the spot. I know. I know. It's not fair. (laughs) (laughs) It's uh, it's Gabe. Oh. Gabe excitedly says that he loves girl talk, and sometimes he wonders if he was born with ovaries (laughs) because of how much he loves it. That's (laughs) right. And then he immediately tries to launch into talking about his favorite Korean soap operas. (laughs) (laughs) That's ridiculous. Yep. (laughs) No room for old GSL? (laughs) Is that Gabe's initials? Yeah, Gabriel Susan Lewis. (laughs) Oh my god. That's great. <laughs> I was wondering what the confused look on your face was. <laughs> um, so yeah, we come back to Jan and she is explaining that women and people in general, not just women, need to dress for the job they want, not the job they have. And you can use your clothing to send a message about your ambitions by wearing clothes that reflect what you aspire to be. And from here we get a talking head with Angela, where uh, it's not enough to criticize Phyllis. She's got some for Jan, too. And she says she's not gaining anything from this seminar. She's a professional woman, the head of accounting. Mm-hmm. She's in the healthiest relationship of her life. And I love that as she explains this, we see a little clip of her and Dwight approaching the annex at the same time. And when they meet at the doorway, they both share a very awkward stare before Angela wordlessly turns around and walks back to accounting and Dwight silently Walks into the annex. Yeah, <laughs> almost as if just the just them being seen walking into the break room together is going to give away the fact that they're yeah having the secret relationship. 
and the, the Angela being in the healthiest relationship of her life. Yeah. With someone she works with, they don't even exchange pleasantries. Yeah, she's got to hide it from everybody <laughs> she knows. Yeah. <laughs> but it's that, like, they're just cold to one another around the office, too. I feel like most people that don't even know each other that well who work in the same office, you know, would have more of an interaction than that. Yeah, it's true. Hey, yeah, you doing? All right, see ya. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh... Yeah, Angela says she thinks it's insulting that Jan thinks that they need this. And judging by Jan's outfit, she aspires to be a whore. <laughs> Jan's not even dressed that uh, provocatively. Yeah. Yeah, no, I made a note of that, too, that her whore outfit, according to Angela, is basically just a business suit with a skirt instead of pants. Yeah. She looks professional. She looks good. Right. But, yeah, certainly not whore-ish in any way. No. <laughs> I feel like we actually see Angela wear something similar when she starts dating the state senator. Right. Yeah. I think I think we do. Well, at that point, I feel like she's mellowed out a little bit. Yeah. It's a different Angela. It's true. Um, maybe she's aspiring to be a whore at that point. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, back down to the warehouse, the gripe session. Things are starting to heat up. And, uh, yeah, Roy is mentioning that he hates it when girls insist they take them out to new restaurants every weekend night. And then they ask, when are we going to go on a date date? And he gets a lot of, uh, clapping and agreement from people in the crowd. Yeah. Talking about how they hate that too. Yep. From Daryl and Kevin and from, I don't know if his name is guy or just a guy in the background. (laughs) Either way Uh works. (laughs) And then Dwight chimes in and says, yeah, and then they make you drive them to church the next morning. Like, gas ain't free. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, nobody really has anything to empathize with on that front. No. (laughs) And uh, Lonnie chimes in that, yeah, you know, with their salaries, what do they expect? Take them out every weekend? What do they mean? You know, they're not millionaires. Michael says. I feel you. I feel you. I feel you. Daryl says, no, you don't. You don't feel us. How can you? You know what? I love that Dwight chimes in. Yeah, not literally. Not literally. (laughs) And uh, Daryl says, you know, he says they're the same, but they get compensated very differently. And Michael agrees, which is funny because we find out a season later that they do not get compensated all that differently. Mm -hmm. And Daryl doesn't know what he's talking about. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, neither does Michael because he agrees. Exactly. (laughs) Um, and yeah, Daryl complains, you know, he works the same hours and Michael said they work a lot harder and Michael agrees and, uh, you know, Daryl counters, they get paid a lot less and what does Dwight say? Word. (laughs) And, uh, Roy chimes in that they don't get any benefits and Michael's trying to empathize, you know, what is that? And it blows, it blows, man. And then Daryl brings up, uh, this wouldn't happen if they had a union. Mm Mm-hmm. And I noticed the second that Daryl says the word union, Dwight shoves his hands underneath his armpits and just looks like his his pants have been lit on fire. He looks extremely uncomfortable, more uncomfortable than Michael even. Whoa, I didn't catch that. Yeah, he's standing behind Michael. And I think that it makes sense to me that Dwight would be a little more forward thinking into the, what the implications of that mean than Michael would. Oh, yeah. That quickly. Right. I mean, because Dwight was obviously there when, uh, I forget the other branch that they bring up that closed because of unionizing. Right. 
Pittsburgh, maybe, or Pittsville. I don't know, something, something like, like that. that. And uh, yeah, so Dwight's probably very aware that they would suffer a similar fate. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I didn't. I didn't catch his reaction to that. I was only looking at Michael. Yeah, no, he looks super uncomfortable, and he starts awkwardly, kind of nervously scratching his arm. You know, the one arm hand that's not wedged under his armpit. Right. And uh, yeah, so they all start. Uh, Michael tries to backpedal them away from this idea, but you know. Daryl's got some momentum and everyone starts chiming in and agreeing with him. Yeah. And Daryl asks Roy if he still has that card from the dock workers union, <laughs> the guy in the dock workers union. And, uh, Roy says it's in his truck. He goes to go get it. And everyone starts clapping and yeah. cheering. And Michael, you know, tries to push the problem away. He says, you know, it's, it's the problem is the chicks and, uh, <laughs> we got to blame them. And Daryl is, you know, starting to chant for Union and asks him if he's with them. And Michael very hesitantly responds, yes. (laughs) Daryl says, welcome to the warehouse. And they all start chanting for Michael. (laughs) And uh, awash in acceptance, he flees the warehouse to go inform Jan of what's going on. Yes. And we've got a clip. Another issue is inequality of pay between men and women. I'm sure that all of you have dealt with that before. This is important. Ladies, take a breather. Jan? I, uh, want to... Can I help you? Um, I wanted to say that the guys downstairs are thinking about forming a union, and they have some good points. A union? Don't get hysterical. I'm not... Part of my job is knowing how to talk to women. Let's be rational here. What are the pros? What are the cons? The cons are that everyone will lose their job, Michael. Everyone. Office, warehouse. What do you think the pros are here? Don't talk to me that way, please. Just, they're going to want to hear this from you. Oh, you got yourself into this, Michael, so well, you get yourself out. We're bonding down there. I mean, bad. I just don't want to have to tell them something they're not going to want to hear. Okay. Come on, Jan. After all we've been through, um, Michael, we have a history. Michael, Michael, we have a Michael, between us. Don't say another word. Um, Get yourself downstairs. We have something. Okay, whatever. <laughs> I think that's one of my favorite exchanges that anybody has in the office. Is Michael? talking to Jan in that tone and then her using it with him. <laughs> Don't talk to me <laughs> yeah, that way. Please. <laughs> <laughs> and after Michael explains in the talking head that part of his job is knowing how to talk to women, the first words out of his mouth are, <laughs> Don't get hysterical. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and I love that. Yeah. Right. When he sits down, uh, he turns to Pam who he sits right next to and in front of in between her and Jan and, she didn't move the entire time since he came in or sat down. Excuse me, can I help you? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because everybody at the conference table was looking directly at them. So Right. Yeah. And she just happened to be the closest to where he sat. Right. <laughs> so yeah, from here we cut back to the warehouse and we see that the office crew is still unloading the trucks. And Ryan proposes, you know, they can get this done a lot faster if they just formed an assembly line 
Stanley cuts him off, saying that it is a run-out-the-clock situation, just like upstairs. (laughs) (laughs) This here is a run-out-the-clock situation. (laughs) And I never thought about it um, until doing this outline, but from here we cut back to the women's meeting, and Jan is going over sports metaphors being used in the business world, Mm. and how women are often left out, and that's Mm -hmm. what Stanley just used. Yep. And, uh... I think part of the reason I never caught it before is because I just don't really watch sports. So I didn't necessarily think about how run out the clock was a sports metaphor. Yeah, that and it's not something that you would find uncommon to hear outside of sports. No, that's also true. Right. So who knows if it's even genuinely right. Origins is a sports metaphor. Yeah. What it's derivation Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, Jan is explaining that, uh, you know, it's one way women could feel left out of the language of the office. And, uh, many women ask to go over it, even though it might sound silly. So she starts to explain fumble means, and Phyllis chimes in a mistake. Meredith says a slip. Jan says, right. She says par for the gorse is a golf term. It means right on track below par means worse. And then (laughs) she questions herself. Shouldn't it mean better? doesn't really make sense. It's true. It has me questioning, is, does below par mean worse in the business world? Yeah, if you say somebody's doing a subpar job. Yeah, I guess that's true. That means they're not doing subpar, a great job. under par. Why? Why do we do that? That doesn't make sense. Doesn't make any, yeah, you're right. I yeah. don't know. Hmm. It's just a mistake people have been making for decades now, so. Yeah. If not longer. However long golf's existed. I mean, golf's been around a long time. A really long time. Yeah. Huh. Come on, people, get it together. Yeah. <laughs> and then Kelly chimes in and asks, what about second base? Like if Michael said he got to second base with Jan, does that mean like they closed the deal? <laughs> and uh, Jan says, excuse me, she's pretty taken aback. And Kelly keeps going. It's a baseball term, right? And uh, Jan says she doesn't know what Michael's talking about. She doesn't know. And <laughs> Kelly turns the camera, gives it a little smile. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, we see Pam uh, notices that Jim has come into the office and is looks like he's checking his messages at his desk, maybe. Mm-hmm. And uh, she gets up to join him. And uh, I also didn't notice until taking notes of this episode that the conversation continued in the background between Jan and Kelly. I just never picked up on it before that uh, Kelly keeps going, that they went to Chili's and Michael got to second base with Jan and... <laughs> That she doesn't know what Michael's talking about, and Kelly says he told everybody, so I just want to know, is that a baseball term? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, from here, we have a clip of Pam and Jim having a brief conversation. Yes. Hey. Hey. How's it going down there? It's a complete, well, actually, it's exactly what you'd expect. (laughs) How are the girls? Good. We watched a video about our changing bodies. Did you really? No. Oh. <laughs> Almost. Um, but hey, um, something kind of cool. There's this internship in graphic design that Jan was telling us about. She made it sound, like, really great. Nice. Well, what's it all about? Um, I think you should do it. <laughs> That's great. It's really cool. Short conversation, short clip. Yeah. So, yeah, what, were, what, did, you, what did you say? You always felt I was that just, that was awkward? It was just, yeah, there's something just... A little awkward about it. In what sense? Uh, just that, like, Pam's not doing a great job explaining what it is, and 
Jim seems excited about it, but at the same time, not really like interested in hearing much about it in the moment. Yeah. I don't know. Just something about the exchange. Like she is like kind of crossing her arms at one point. She does look physically uncomfortable as she's saying it. Although maybe her physicality is implying just her lack, her discomfort with the idea of stepping out of her comfort zone. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I get from it. Okay. I I like that framing. It makes me feel a little better about the scene. I feel like if anything, I, I could say that there's a little bit of weirdness from Jim and it's not weirdness. Like you'd see someone on the street and be like, they're weird, but the way he's responding to her almost makes me feel like they were shooting a scene where they were already in a relationship together and he was going with that energy and then they just kept that. Yeah. And it it seems like, yeah, he's too enthusiastic almost like a little too invested in this, but I think it's really just, you know, maybe he was kind of playing it up to serve as the juxtaposition. Maybe he was told to, you know, for Roy's reaction to the same news that we're going to get shortly. Yeah, fair enough. So, mm-hmm. he could also be feeling a little weird about the fact that Roy has essentially given him a green light to, well, Roy's basically just kind of cleared the air a little bit about, you know, Jim having a crush on Pam before. And yeah, now Jim's interacting with her again for the first time. Maybe that's still fresh in the back of his mind or something. It could be. Yeah. I don't know. Just something seemed a little weird about it. They, their their conversations are normally very organic and flow naturally, and this one didn't. Yeah. So maybe the stakes are higher in his mind. Maybe after that exchange with Roy, where Roy says that they're cool and that he's glad that they're friends, so that right. you know they talk. She has someone to talk through throughout the day. So when she gets home, she's not just like blah 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 blah. Yeah. And. uh and Jim is kind of taken aback by that in his interaction with Roy. And, you know, yeah, I, I like talking to her too. Right. Maybe this kind of opened his eyes up for the first time to the actual state of their relationship. You know, this is the most insight he's ever really had to their interactions beyond what he sees at work. And it's he true. sees that Roy seems disdainful of communicating with his fiance. And maybe he has a little bit more of a shot than he thought he might have, you know, if he plays his cards right. From this point on out. Yeah. And he does. I, I don't know about from this episode. I'll have to pay close attention to it as we move forward. See how much he kind of steps up his shown interest in right. her. Because I feel like he... Well, now I feel like we're really getting ahead of ourselves. But what is the first thing that happens after this exchange? And then Pam and Roy's exchange about the same topic. We'll talk about it more in depth later yeah. when we get to it. But essentially... Jim immediately plants the seed of doubt, not only into that she should be listening to Roy, but that she should even be in a relationship with him at all. Like, kind yeah. of. He doesn't say it flat out. He doesn't directly imply it. but Basically, it's just like, yeah. you should do this program. And, like, I don't know. The next, again, we'll talk to it, we'll talk yeah. about it in a few minutes. But yeah, I feel like what he says after that to her, the words specifically are really just about her life in general. It's and, true. Yeah. It's true. So maybe you're onto something here with oh, this yeah. conversation that I never picked up on. I mean, the awkwardness. I'm, I'm glad I brought it up because it, it definitely spurred some interesting conversations surrounding yeah. it. So yeah, I wouldn't have thought of it either. So I'm glad you did. There we go. Sweet. All right. Yeah. Nothing like overanalyzing a 
40 second scene. Well, it's an impactful 40 second scene. No, it's true. (laughs) I mean, that's what we do in this podcast. Yeah. It's it's just funny to me that we can have a a five (laughs) to 10 minute long conversation about, you know, just the briefest of moments in the show. Well, sometimes that's the the deepest, <laughs> most packed moment or the brief moments. You it's know? true. No, it's, it's all in the pauses. It's all in the pauses. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Stanley MVP for this episode, right? <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. All because of his, his bluesy wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> his all big, right. baleful eyes. <laughs> Yikes. Where were we? I don't even know. Uh, P- Pam and Jim just finished their conversation. Right. Right, right, right. Talking about the Ram situation. We got PB and J moving on <laughs> to uh, the warehouse. And uh, we see Michael is now up on top of a shelf with a bag of packing <laughs> peanuts, styrofoam oh, peanuts. No. And he is forecasting a cold front for the warehouse as he tears open the bag. And holds the emptying bag in front of a giant industrial fan. Yep. Blowing the peanuts all over everybody in the warehouse. Mostly Daryl. Yeah. <laughs> what does he shout? Happy New Year, Daryl. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> hey, Daryl. You ever do this? <laughs> Daryl looks like he's about to cry. Even Kevin in the background is just slowly shaking his head back oh, and yeah. forth in disbelief. If you, yeah. if you got Kevin... In disbelief, that's that's an accomplishment. <laughs> For real. <laughs> Although this is early seasons Kevin, so mm. maybe later seasons Kevin would be more on board. That's true. He'd probably make it a snow angel by now. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, now back at the women's meeting, uh, everyone is grilling Jan about her meeting with Michael in the Chili's parking lot. <laughs> and Angela's asking if she's married. And she says she's divorced. And Phyllis empathizes a little condescendingly. That must have been hard. Yeah. She says it was. Yes. And uh, Kelly asks, you know, she was probably feeling really depressed and sad. That's why she did that thing with Michael. And Jan tries to segue the meeting back to their careers and less time on personal stuff. And Phyllis (laughs) chimes in that she thinks they're all okay with the balance they've struck. (laughs) This is one of the first scenes we see of catty, sassy Phyllis. It's true. Coming, coming out. Yeah. Which is also one of her kind of overriding characteristics moving forward. Oh, for sure. She's got quite the acid tongue when she cares to. Yep. Um, and Angela chimes in. At least Jan doesn't have kids. She doesn't have kids, right? Thank God. And uh, Jan's had enough. She says, let's take five. We can all use five. And she just rushes out of the room. <laughs> leading Kelly to uh, question, how could someone so beautiful be so sad? <laughs> I always I, I feel like that line for whatever reason sticks out to me a lot from Kelly. Yeah. As far as all the I feel like it says a lot about her and just her perception of the world and the way she thinks about things and what she values. And, oh, definitely. Yeah. It's an interesting line. Mm-hmm. And uh from here we see where Jan has gone, and we've got yet another short clip. Hi. You take care of the situation? Yeah, yeah, yes. I, I have. Excuse me. I've essentially. Excuse yes, me. I've take- I'm told that there's been some interest in forming a union, and that Michael supported it. Obviously, he's not a friend of yours because he didn't tell you the facts. So let me. 
If there is even a whiff of unionizing in this branch, I can guarantee you the branch will be shut down like that. They unionized in Pittsfield, and we all know what happened in Pittsfield. It will cost each of you a fortune and legal fees and union dues, and that'll be nothing compared to the cost of losing your job. So I would think long and hard before sacrificing your savings and your futures just to send a message. If you have any further questions, you can direct them to, to Michael. <laughs> yeah. Jan is not happy. No. And, uh, She's had enough. Yeah, she... She kind of said it that way at the end because she went to turn to Michael. But Michael at this point is now hiding behind a cleaning cart. Yep. Specifically one of those like uh, wide brooms Mm -hmm. that you use in, you know, large retail spaces and warehouses. It's very childish. Oh, yeah. It makes me think of... uh... Like, I feel like I could see if Michael had gotten bullied as a kid and his mom was yelling at another kid's mom, I feel like that's where Michael would be. He'd be hiding <laughs> yeah. behind just the tallest structures, Yep, trying to make himself as tiny as possible. That's true. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's good stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it looks very sheepish. And everyone in the warehouse, as Jan is talking to them, just looks, they've got nothing to say. No, yeah, yeah. It's like they, they've all been put in their place. A hundred percent. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we cut to a shot from here of Pam with Roy, and she's holding the pamphlet that she got from Jan about the art program, presumably. Mm-hmm. And it looks like they're having a bit of an argument. Uh, yeah, this is silent. We don't hear what's no, being said. No, yeah, the camera is, like, from the other side of a window, so, yeah, we don't catch any of the audio. Yeah. But, uh... Their conversation is not going well, Mm-mm. and they both look upset, and Pam kind of storms off. Yeah. And then we have one more clip, uh, a little bit longer, last clip of the podcast, of Pam. Dreams are just that. They're dreams. They help get you through the day. Like the thing about the terrace, it's nice. But, um, I don't know, it was just something I read in this book when I was 12. Uh, the girl in the book has a terrace outside of her bedroom, and she planted flowers on it, and I just loved that. It just always kind of stuck with me. So you're not doing it. How did you know? Why not? Just, like, no big reason. Just a bunch of little reasons. Come on. Roy's right. There's no guarantee it's going to lead to anything anyway. Roy said that. What, you have something you want to say? You got to take a chance on something sometime, Pam. I mean, do you want to be a receptionist here always? Oh, excuse me. I'm fine with my choices. You are? Yeah. It's impractical. I'm not going to try to get a house like that. Um, They don't even make houses like that in Scranton. So I'm never going to... No. And yeah, for people listening that uh, haven't watched it recently, uh, Pam is cut off at the end because she starts crying. Yeah. She's trying to smile through that last sentence, but her lips start to quiver and then she just breaks down. Mm-hmm. It's a tough one. It is. And yeah, I feel like that's uh, it's an important interaction with her and Jim. 
you gotta take a chance on something sometime. Yeah. Yeah. And uh and yeah, I, I feel like I also, you know, my hat's off to Jenna Fisher's acting in that scene too, because I feel like she does a great job of not selling what she's saying, if that makes sense. You know, yeah. you she's saying the words to Jim, but it's very clear that she does not believe them at all and she's having a hard time even getting them out. Right. Yeah. She's fine with her choices. She does not look fine. I'm not saying it in the tone of someone that's fine. It's true. She gets very defensive. And uh and to John Krasinski too. I feel like Jim in that scene too, he just uh, it's like part of him dies when she says that she doesn't want to pursue that because of Roy. Like he just oh yeah, know, gets deflated. I mean they a lot of their relationship is based off of uh just kind of how above all of this office nonsense they both are but they tolerate it because at this point in their lives they haven't had an opportunity out Mm -hmm. but they both talk about you know getting out so yeah i can see why jim was disappointed that she made this decision yeah yeah and i mean he you know when she came to him with the news he immediately tried to build her up you know oh, yeah. inspire her confidence exactly. she should do it she can do it why right. wouldn't she and uh is already you know being a better partner to her than roy oh for sure without being her partner yeah yeah yep and then how does pam repay jim when he goes and makes stumpany <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that over the in a few years <laughs> yeah don't hold your breath <laughs> Wait, me or or Jim or Pam? Our listeners. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah. It's gonna I be mean, a while. We'll get there. I'm not. Yeah, saying we'll we're get not, there. We're not gonna get there. Yeah. It's just gonna be a while. But you will be dead if you hold your breath between now and then. So I mean, they'll be dead if they hold their breath from when we're recording this to when this is released. That's true. Yeah. Nobody hold their breath at any moment. <laughs> yeah. Keep until breathing. we're done with this entire series. Everybody keep breathing. Yeah. It's important. It is. You got to do it. And then you got to be there for our next podcast about Space Force or whatever it's going to be called. Yeah. All right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, yeah, from here, uh, man, poor Pam. I know. We cut back to the warehouse and Michael, we were talking about this earlier just amongst ourselves. Why did they let him back on the forklift? Yeah. I mean, that. there's no way. The only thing I can think is that Michael ran over and started driving it again just to have fun with it. And at this point, they're all so worn down by him that it's just like, you know. <laughs> they just let him have it. What are you going to do? Yeah. You know what my thought is? I just thought of this now, considering what just happened the last we saw of the warehouse, the Jan coming down there and kind of shutting everything down. Yeah. Maybe they're all sitting there in just shocked silence, depressed silence. And during this, Michael decided the best way to boost morale is to clean up the mess that he caused. So he quietly, while nobody's looking at him, gets back over on the forklift. And, well, I guess he it wouldn't be very quiet for him to pick up the shelf that he seemed to have picked up before we move on to seeing <laughs> no. him I in mean, the forklift again. <laughs> as, soon as, you, as soon as he starts the forklift, everyone knows. Yeah, that's yeah, true. So those... my... my Forget about my idea. Yeah. It makes no sense. <laughs> those, things that I aren't, it out. those things aren't silent. No, no, no not at all. No, my, my idea is nonsense. Your idea makes infinitely more sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, whatever the case, Michael has gotten back in the forklift and he has a shelf 
Now, one of the shelves he knocked over is completely horizontally held by the forklift. Yeah. And he seems to just be swinging it around as, who is it? I think uh, Daryl says in the background, this is a bad idea. This is a bad and he idea. just starts smashing more stuff down with a broken shelf. Yeah, there's, he, he's moving it to the side. <laughs> At one point, Roy feels like he has to jump out of the way because <laughs> yeah. Michael's swinging this giant industrial shelf at him (laughs) and uh from here we cut immediately to michael now interacting with the pizza person pizza man outside the warehouse (laughs) yeah i love this (laughs) explaining that uh pizza's the great equalizer he's trying to smooth things over and rich people love pizza poor people love pizza white people love pizza black people love pizza (laughs) do black people like pizza (laughs) all of a sudden doubt washes over his face and he's just (laughs) like do black people like pizza? And he like kind of looks at the pizza delivery guy. And uh, fortunately for Michael, the first <laughs> shot we get after this is of a uh, sea monster, Lonnie, who is eating his pizza in an interesting manner, I noticed. I guess he's going for a carb-free diet, maybe? Oh, really? He's just he's picked all the cheese and pepperoni and sauce into his fingers, and he's just uh, eating it that way, just not eating any of the crust. Interesting. Everyone else is eating the pizza normally, but he's the right. closest one to the camera. So, <laughs> but you see Michael's face. <laughs> oh yeah, he's, he's just he made the right call. Yeah. Everyone is enjoying their pizza thoroughly, yeah. and he doesn't love pizza. And yeah, you see his his doubts uh, washed away in his face. He's just like, yeah, yep. Black people do like pizza. (laughs) Apologize to any black listeners of our show that uh, do not like pizza and don't appreciate our generalizing. Michael's. (laughs) It's possible that, you know, some people exist that don't like pizza. It's true. Of all colors and colors. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I think most people love pizza. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And yeah, I love Michael, uh, you know, tries to empathize with everybody and says, look guys, I'm sorry, you know, Sometimes Jan can be such a bitch. <laughs> Everyone and, starts full-throatedly agreeing. Yep. Yeah, yeah. He says, hey, watch it. You know, watch it. We have a relationship. <laughs> and then we see Michael and the office crew leaving up the stairs, and Michael says, shouts down, thank you to our hosts. And Daryl shouts up from surrounded by piles of wreckage and packing peanuts. Hey, Michael, this ain't over. And Michael just gives him a final look silently and shuts the door behind mm-hmm. him. <laughs> and I want to say this is this is maybe the beginning of Harold or Harold. Harold. This is the beginning of Daryl, uh, probably giving Michael his fake black person quotes or lines uh, yeah. or whatever, sayings. Bippity boppity, give me the zoppity. Yeah, I feel like. Anything Daryl does to Michael from this point out is probably just small payback for this day. At least for a while. For a while. I would say up until season five, I would say that's accurate. And then I think, without going into why or what, I'm sure most of our listeners already know, I feel like Michael is just so sad (laughs) to Daryl that... I feel like Daryl from that point on is generally fairly supportive of Michael. You know, he's, he doesn't love him, but he's yeah. pretty nice to him. Right. <laughs> Just because, I mean, how can uh-huh. you not be at that point? I know. Yeah. No, you're supposed to. Never, Never mind. mind. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really pretty song, Daryl. <laughs> 
I know, I know. <laughs> um, so yeah, from here we have Michael in a talking head, and he's saying that it's good to be back upstairs in his office. And uh, he says, you know, he loves the guy stuff, but to run an office, you need men and women. And you know why? It's because you need to have that crazy sexual tension to keep things interesting. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> and uh, the episode ends. We see Jim watching as Pam picks up the phone to do her job, you know, to take a call at reception. Mm-hmm. And he kind of smiles sadly as he goes back to his own work. And she looks up and kind of gives him a sad look too. Yeah. And uh, But it's a different kind of sad look. Yeah. Yeah. It's... It's pensive, like, she's looking at Jim and maybe realizing, you know, he's right. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. But yeah, the episode kind of ends on that somber tone. Well, not quite. Oh, yeah, okay, we <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. We come back to the warehouse for one moment. That's right. A less somber moment. Yeah. Where we see Dwight on the ground making <laughs> snow angels and packing peanuts. <laughs> Michael had dumped all over the floor. Yep. And um. you know what's funny is you see Dwight doing the snow angels and then the camera zooms in on Daryl's face. And I I thought I had remembered a tear on his cheek. <laughs> like the Native American and the recycling Yeah, ads. but it wasn't there. And you know what's funny like, is I think I also had a fake memory of a tear on Daryl's face. Is there maybe an episode where Daryl is actually crying like that at the end? There is a cold open that ends with the camera zooming in on Daryl's face as and he turns to it and a single tear rolls okay. down his cheek. See, I must have just been confusing this with uh-huh. that. Yeah. If I believe... If I remember correctly, I want to say that's in season seven when mm. Daryl has an office up up uh, with the, uh, oh, the right. popsicles. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Yep. All right. Well, that's it. That was the episode. It's the whole thing. Boys and girls. We did it all. We did. I gotta say, I like this episode, but I was not, I mean, I know I kind of went about outlining it in a weird way, but, uh. It made me think of your issues with Christmas party, Christmas party when mm-hmm. I was outlining it, that there is not, besides like two or three physical gags, nothing really happens in this episode besides people just sitting around largely stationary Dialogue. and speaking. Mm-hmm. And it made it not super fun to go through and summarize it because it's just like all people are doing are talking this entire time. Yep. And, but I still think there's a lot of great stuff in this Oh, episode, there definitely is. Said that. There definitely is. That's more just me complaining. Whiny. Well, on that note, should we move on to ratings? Ratings! Ratings! Gonna rate it. That's me singing the first (laughs) sections of our audio clip that'll cut in. All right. What you got for me, Rob? I'm up first. You know it. Season two, episode 15, Boys and Girls. 21 overall. 21 overall. (laughs) Going out to drink after this. Out of paper. Finally legal. We did it. (laughs) All right. I'm going to give this episode eight run out the clock situations out of 10. Hey, now. 
It's yeah. not bad. Yeah. I, I like it. I like it better than the carpet, which mm-hmm. I gave a lower rating. So I had to kind of, you know, bump this one up a bit. I love the dynamic between Jan and Michael. Great. In this episode. Really cements the dynamics of their relationship, even as we get to know it mm-hmm. in this episode. I mean, Jan's obviously always been kind of condescending and and bossy or harsh on Michael. But yes. this really, she's very much using her position above him much more in this episode than than prior well she has to because of his behavior oh absolutely i'm not saying it's unwarranted i'm just we see a lot of frustration too from her oh yeah yeah (laughs) and i would would also say on that point too that like a lot of their dynamic as we see in this episode and i guess in every other episode is that michael is both incredibly condescending just in a person-to-person and a sexism level with her the way you know, what do you think the pros are here? <laughs> yeah. And talking to her like she's an idiot and doesn't know what's going on, where right. it's already been clearly established to me and continues to be established throughout the series that Jan is so much smarter than Michael in every conceivable way someone could be smarter than another person. Without a doubt. I'd say the only possible thing Michael has over her is he's more of a natural salesperson. Yeah, But that is really, I I wouldn't even say necessarily that much to do with intelligence as just like a kind of charm and affability. Mm -hmm. And, but yeah, so she not only has to deal with this ridiculous subordinate that's like into her and, but she's being condescended to by this complete moron. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And she seems like even compared to like fairly intelligent people, I would say Jan is probably smarter than most people she's ever interacted with her whole life. She seems like she's really smart. Yeah. Maybe too smart for her own good. I think she is. Yeah, I think she's smart to the point where it drives her to craziness and despair. Yes. And I mean, sure, people can be driven to craziness and despair without intelligence being the driving factor. But for her, she strikes me as it's one of the big ones. Yep. Agreed. And yeah, she... Yeah, so... I also love the dynamic between the warehouse workers and Michael again. You know, nothing's changed since basketball. No. They all... (laughs) They all still give him a ton of shit and think pretty lowly of him. And he does nothing to disabuse them of those notions. No. So, uh, my MVP this episode. Oh, boy. It's going to be Lonnie. Lonnie! Yeah. Sea monster. I think the only reason, well, not the only reason, but the main reason I'm picking him is because (laughs) at my last job, I worked with a designer. His name was Michael. And whenever something was wrong with one of his files or he had to come up and ask for a reprint i would always grab just something on my desk throw it across the room and be like damn it michael (laughs) that's awesome and uh (laughs) he didn't get it at first and i showed him a clip of that scene and then he ended up watching the entire series (laughs) so I'm going to give it to Lonnie this episode just because that line specifically is, it's just one of those that sticks with me and it's so simple. That's great. Yeah. You can use it a lot. I like it. If you know somebody named Michael, it's a good one. Yeah. (laughs) So there you go. All right. Rating an MVP. It's my turn. You're up. 
I think I am actually going to share your rating for the episode. Okay. It's a good one. I agree with it. Eight out of ten. And my reasons are pretty much the same as yours. I, I don't really have much to add that we didn't already talk about. But we still need a unit, Dan. Um, I think I'm going to rate it eight lactation rooms <laughs> out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> and... Uh, That's disgusting. <laughs> as much as I loathe doing it because I feel like there's a potential for this to be the case in more episodes than not. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to have to give Michael the MVP of this one. Okay. Um, if, I mean, for a lot of reasons, I'd say partially due to just his warehouse antics and smashing things down and destroying his own warehouse (laughs) for the first time he's down there in months. Yeah. Um, but also because I feel like he, in my opinion, Jan has a lot of the best lines and deliveries of this episode, but they're Mm -hmm. all facilitated by Michael. Yeah. You know, like she wouldn't be having a reason to deliver these things in this Unless way. He was setting her yeah. up. Yeah. So, uh, you know what? I just realized that we forgot to bring up. What's that? Was that when Michael had the, the shelf on the forklift and you swing it around, uh-huh. we get a brief clip of Madge erasing how many days they've gone. Without oh, that's right. I forgot about that on the chalkboard. <laughs> and they had almost like three years of zero accidents down there. <laughs> That Michael just totally wiped away in one afternoon. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I would have been very upset. Yeah. (laughs) Poor warehouse crew. (laughs) And now they got to clean up this giant warehouse. One episode after they had to go up and tear out Michael's carpet. Really horrible smelling rug. (laughs) Oh, poor guys. I know. But yeah, so that is my rating and my MVP. Love it. That's what I got. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Good episode. Not the most fun to outline, but I cannot hold that against it because I love watching it every time it comes up in a rotation. I loved watching it this time too. Agreed. And super solid episode. And yeah, you're right. There are really great Michael moments. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that. you have a good reason for your MVP, yeah, and yeah, I mean, exactly. we do get more from Patrice O'Neill in this episode. Yeah. But we will bring up soon, I promise. We will listeners. introduce him. This probably would have been a good episode to do it, because we had no other introductions. That's true, it would have been. <laughs> but but uh, I, I feel like nobody addresses him by name in this episode, and there's... It's true. It's coming up soon, where he's more of kind of a... Yeah, focal point. Involved of, character. Yeah, yeah. agreed. Um, but we'll get to him. We will. But yeah, no, I mean, he's a good MVP, too. I mean, yeah. you can't go wrong. You can't. Yeah. No wrong answers. No. Um, and we all get a participation trophy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we do. But that's all I got. Me too. I-, I wanted to bring up one thing. Let's do it. I forgot to give him the shout out that he was due Oh. in the last episode. Oh. But listener Josh emailed us, and he works with heavy equipment. For his job. Okay. And was saying that he had a hard time hearing the clips when they came on. He could hear our commentary, but the clips were quiet. So I've been raising the volume of the clips, and Earl confirmed to me today that he appreciates the louder volume on the clips as well. So thanks, Josh, for pointing that out to us, and together we'll make this podcast better. Yes. Yeah. That's the dream. I love that. If we will it. 
It is no dream. It is no dream. Right. We all do the show. Not in the walrus. Not just Dan and I. No. Or me and Dan. We are the object of that sentence, so me and Dan. I, I have no <laughs> idea what we're talking about anymore. <laughs> I'm so lost. Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, shout out to Josh. Thanks a lot. Yeah, thank you, Josh. I appreciate the feedback. Yes, it was good feedback, and I agree. All right, everybody. Check us out on social media. You know the drill. Engage. The scoopsy. Engage with us, and we will engage with you. Yes. And... Not a weird way, though. Maybe well, Rob will if you're into it and you ask, but... Yeah. Yeah. We'll yeah. see, you know? <laughs> Feel him out, you know? See what he's into. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Creeping out our listeners again. Yeah. All right, <laughs> Thanks, everybody. <Rob>. <laughs> we'll catch you guys next week. Catch you later, paper people. Out of Paper is not endorsed by DLD Productions or NBC and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The Office, the Office logo, and all character, pictures, and audio of The Office are registered trademarks and or copyrights of their registered copyright holders.